Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Those of us who are Georgia fans have gotten very used to Georgia being an incredibly dominant defense. And that's one of those things that can become very easy to take for granted because obviously if you're a fan of a team, you want that team to win and you're always in your mind kind of calculating what it's going to take for your team to win and how that kind of plays out during the game. And the one thing that those of us who love UGA have sort of just sort of baked into the cake of our evaluation of every game that Georgia plays is the idea, well, you know Georgia's not going to give up anything defensively that Georgia's not going to yield anything uh, on the defensive side of the ball and so therefore if Georgia scores even a little bit uh, that ought to be enough to win well this year we've seen that not quite be the case Georgia's had some uncustomary I think you'd call them defensive breakdowns here this year and for a lot of Georgia fans well that's a little bit of a shocking thing and it's also the kind of thing right now that's getting the notice of some folks around the country here, too. So what we're going to do for the next couple of minutes is we're going to combine some of the analysis that exists about Georgia around the country here right now ahead of a big showdown against Kentucky and compare that to Kirby Smart's own words, his own thoughts about this. Because I think there's an interesting theme to some of the chatter about Georgia right now coming into a big home game against Kentucky that perhaps makes this a good bit different than some of the chatter you would have heard prior to a big game against, like, say, Tennessee a year ago. So let's walk through this a little bit, starting with a guy in Joel Klatt from Fox Sports who, I have to say, over the course of the last year or two, Klatt's kind of won me over a little bit. I don't love everything that he says. He had a long-ranging opinion about Georgia that he recently shared this week. Um, I didn't love all of that, but I think some of it's probably fair. And I think, generally speaking, that Klatt's kind of becoming sort of a level-headed uh, analyst. He's one of those guys that seems to be pretty plugged into college football. At one point, I guess I probably would have not have thought of myself as a Klatt fan. I'll probably like him now more often than, than I don't. Not sure if you've seen enough of him to have an opinion, but Joel Klatt on his show, podcast, whatever you want to call it this week, had some pretty harsh words for Georgia that I do believe are at least worth our considering here. This is Joel Klatt with what he views as a kind of a downgrade of Georgia in his mind. Here's Joel Klatt. They are a shell of what they were in the past. I get it. They're wearing the same uniforms. I get it. They've got the same coach. And I get it. They've got the same star in Brock Bowers. But the heart and soul of what Georgia was over the last two years was a dominant team in the run game at the line of scrimmage and on defense. And that's not the case anymore, at least not right now. The data suggests that there's something very different. So let me first of all say there is an element of what Klatt says, even though it's somewhat harsh about George, and perhaps he's exaggerating the harshness of it to make a point online, let's it admit we're probably all guilty of that from time to time saying something in the loudest way possible in the hopes of getting some attention for your opinion if Klatt were to do that there he would not have been the first one to have done that but even if the dressing around this is a little bit more put on than you'd prefer there's an element of what Klatt says there that I think you have to acknowledge which is true that Georgia's two championship seasons that we've just lived through Georgia had a lot going for in each of those years but the bedrock foundational aspect of that is the kind of physical toughness that Kirby Smart has always made the hallmark of his teams. Defense, the ability to run the ball, 
line of scrimmage play on both sides being excellent and being stellar that's just been the the coaching fingerprint of Kirby Smart it has been squarely on the last two national championship teams and for the most part that's existed at Georgia even prior to that as well and so I think Klatt is right when he says that's what Georgia has been in addition to more explosive plays last year than anybody in the country and in addition to you know dynamic you know defensive players going to the NFL draft and all the kind of glitz and glamour that goes along with that in addition to some other stuff the first big rock the bedrock on all of this has been what you do along the lines of scrimmage your ability to stop their run and your ability to run the football and when Clapp points out the defensive issues right here he is fair I believe to say that just measurably if you're looking at the basic counting stats right now just measurably Georgia's not playing that way on the defensive side of the ball right now the way that it has in the past who knows what the future looks like but what we've seen in the recent past the first five games of this regular season this has not quite been up to the Georgia standard and Clatt said you know reference to some sort of stat kind of pointing that out I want to show you this on the screen here now, our producer, Michael Carvel, said I intentionally chose a photo that made Clatt look bad. Honestly, I just took the screenshot to get the, to get the graphic that he made. Uh, but I guess if we make him look bad here, I'll take the, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take the blame there on that. Probably uh, no shame in that necessarily. I'm sure a lot of Georgia fans probably like knowing that. But the point is, is here's the stat that Clatt shares. That if you look at the Georgia defense in yards per carry allowed, in 2019, Georgia was second nationally in that category. In 2020, they were first. Not a great Georgia defense in 2020, by the way, but still first in yards per carry allowed per play. Um, 2021, they were second. Last year, they were third. Thus far this year, they are 67th in the country in yards per play allowed on defense. Uh, that's a very significant drop-off. Doesn't mean it will remain that way the rest of the year, obviously, but when Clapp points out, this is a Georgia team that's a shell of its former self. Even if that's hyperbole, and even if that's kind of loud language to get attention online, even if that's kind of dressed up to be a hotter take than perhaps it deserves to be, there is an element of just factual accuracy to that. Counting up the rushing yards that Georgia has allowed, including, by the way, 200-plus on the ground against Auburn on Saturday, there's an element of that that's at least true enough that we ought to spend some time considering it. And you better believe that Kirby Smart himself is considering it. Because I started the show today by saying that for a lot of these Georgia fans, they've gotten so used to Georgia being great on defense, it's shocking to consider a world in which that perhaps is not true. Well, if those of us who are fans have that feeling, how much more does Kirby Smart, who has based his entire coaching life on producing great defenses year after year after year, how much more does he put into all of this well earlier this week he was quite candid that leaving the game Jordan Hare Stadium on Saturday apparently after seeing the same defense that Joel Klatt just ripped to shreds right there Kirby Smart was apparently not too good of a place he called it a state of depression about that but also in the midst of admitting that he also on Monday talked about a little bit more of a hopeful language about why maybe it wasn't quite as bad as he initially thought this is what Kirby Smart said about all of that on Monday well, we got to do a better job. I actually felt better after I went and watched the tape. I think I was riding home on the bus in, in a state of depression about our ability to stop the run. And you, you sometimes as a coach, and my dad always said it, it's never as good as it seems, and it's never as bad as it seems. So when I got up and actually watched it, we struck blockers and played the run well at times. We didn't fit some plays well that they did and give them credit. And we probably didn't work some of those plays enough out of the formations they did it. They did a nice job scheming that up. Um, so we got to do a better job of that. Make no mistake about it. But we have good run defenders. 
I'm looking here on our comment section at dognation.com. A guy named Don Jones says that he agrees with what Joel Clad is saying. He said, but the good news is there's time to fix it. Let's get after it, go dogs. And I think Don Kirby Smart would probably say the same thing too. In fact, I think he did in some form or fashion say the same thing of Clad sees problems with the Georgia defense. Kirby Smart obviously acknowledged those. He said he left the game on Saturday and he, as he calls it, in a state of depression about what Georgia was defensively. But he eventually calls back on the old adage that his uh, father, the great Sonny Smart, would have said of it's never as bad as you think it is. Perhaps it's never quite as good as you think it is either. And Kirby Smart, upon further reflection, says, well, actually, maybe this is here and that's there and this is here. And maybe the building block's there to still make this a very good defense. And I think one of the examples of that is, remember, Georgia got off the field against Auburn deep in its uh you know own scoring territory you know Auburn marching down the field uh late second quarter but Georgia got off the field there forced a uh, fourth down then got a fourth down stop and yielded no points even though Auburn was right there in the shadow of the end zone getting ready to punch it in Georgia did get that stop right there so that's the kind of remnant of what Georgia has been defensively and that's perhaps an example of why Kirby Smart says you know, at first I was kind of depressed, but now maybe I'm not quite so worried. Maybe that's kind of what Smart's alluding to when he says what he says there. But I think there's something you got to consider here for a moment. You know, a year ago, when Georgia was getting ready to play its big home game against Tennessee, big crowd, all kinds of energy, there was a lot of stuff being said about Georgia then that just didn't ring true to me. Georgia had been dominant to begin that season against Oregon, against South Carolina. It was the reigning national champion. Georgia had already played at a pretty high level in you know, portions of the 2022 season. Yeah, they'd had a couple blemishes, had the Missouri game, had whatever. But Georgia, we had seen, play at a high level a year ago. And so some of the chatter about Tennessee coming into last year's game against Georgia, the idea that Tennessee was going to win and Georgia was going to give up 50 points, all the stuff that was being said about Tennessee at the expense of Georgia before last year's game, all of that just sort of felt like put on to me and wishful thinking and exaggerated claims as a way of making opinions more interesting or a game itself more interesting. There was a big attempt to sell Tennessee as the number one team in the first CFP rankings and the team that was ready to knock off Georgia because we're sort of bored and tired with Georgia. We're ready to see somebody else atop college football. There was, there was this big attempt to kind of contrive Tennessee as the team to do all of that. And all of that just sort of felt wrong and fake and phony and inauthentic. The chatter that exists around Georgia right now just feels a little bit different than that. Now, I think it's important to note that none of this is any kind of projection about what Georgia will be at the end of the season, but there's nothing wrong with saying what Georgia has been right now. That is, Georgia goes to play this game against Kentucky on Saturday, objective-minded folks, people sort of looking down on all of this from 10,000 feet, they're saying, we haven't seen Georgia be great on defense yet. And most fair-minded Georgia fans would say, yeah, that's kind of true. We really haven't seen that yet. Doesn't mean we won't. Doesn't mean we won't this Saturday against Kentucky. But it is fair, and it's true to say we haven't seen that yet. But in the case of Joel Klatt, he wasn't done. He also offered a similar evaluation of the other line of scrimmage on the other side of the ball, that not only is Georgia seeing a drop-off right now defensively, Joel Klatt, the analyst for Fox Sports, says he sees a similar drop-off when it comes to running the football too, so much so that Klatt no longer has Georgia as his number one team. This is once again Joel Klatt. Over the last two years, they've been running the football for about five, five and a half yards per carry. This year, it's down a full yard. 
Georgia's not the same, folks. Georgia is not the same. That's why I moved them out of my first spot in my poll. So if you listen to the full clip, and I'll put a link to this when we post the show later on at worldfamousdognation.com, Clatt goes on to say that he's got both Michigan and Texas ranked ahead of Georgia. Now, this is where Clatt kind of loses me because you can make a case for Georgia what it hasn't shown thus far this year. I'm sorry, Michigan has played the worst schedule in the world, even worse than Georgia's, I would say. Uh, Michigan's done nothing this year either. So if you want to logically say we haven't seen Georgia look like a number one team, you can't put Michigan ahead of Georgia because Michigan's done nothing thus far this year. So Clack kind of loses me on that. But his overall evaluation of Georgia, he's just giving you basic numbers. They are rushing the ball right now less than they have before for less yards. They have given up more on defense than we're used to them seeing. Those are factually accurate statements, and there's nothing wrong with Clatt saying that. As far as Kirby Smart's evaluation of all this, one more time too, Smart also acknowledges that much like you got to be better on a defense and stopping the run in particular, you've also got to be better as well in terms of producing rushing yards there as well. Backs, offensive linemen, the entire apparatus just has to function at a higher level in order for Georgia to get more rushing game productivity than it's gotten thus far. Once again, Kirby Smart. You got to help them. You got to help them a lot of ways. Look, there's nobody, there's nobody, you can't tell me an offensive line right now that you say, oh man, they're just moving people and they're mashing people. Defensive linemen have leverage. They strike out of their hips. They come out. You got to find ways to get double teams. You got to find ways to run on perimeter. Running the ball in the SEC is the hardest thing to do. And Kentucky just did an unbelievable job of doing it. But outside of that performance, it's just not easy. And uh, I can't pinpoint one thing that we can do better, but there's a lot of things we got to do better. And uh, uh, that, that's, not a, that's not just an offensive line job. You know, there's perimeter blocks, there's tight ends blocks, there's getting in the right run play, and there's the running back reads where they got to do the right thing too. It's shared responsibility starting with me. I mean, I think when you listen to this conversation, I think it sets the stage for Saturday night to be fascinating. It sets it up to be an incredibly compelling game. Perhaps a year ago, going into the Tennessee game, when all these blowhards were calling for the Tennessee win and saying George was going to get exposed and saying this and saying that, many of you remember just how true that was a year ago. I think a lot of us were on guard for the idea that George was about to prove all the critics just how wrong they really were. I think the sense that exists around Georgia this particular season in this particular game has a little bit more of a sense of curiosity. I think there are a lot of Georgia fans who are rightly wondering, how good can this Georgia defense be based on what we've seen through five games? How good can this element of the Georgia offense be? Finding the necessary run game to match with what we believe that Georgia can do through the air, certainly throwing two Brock Bowers here in what we're calling Brocktober. How much of the Georgia run game can help out with all that and also be a part of that story too? I think there's a lot of curiosity about all of that. Well, here is what I think it sets the stage for. Georgia fans curious of how good this team can be. It's also a reminder of how much they need you on Saturday night. If you're lucky to have a ticket, be there, be loud. Help propel this team to be better where it needs to be. Running the football, playing defense, dominating the line of scrimmage against a Kentucky team that wants to do the same thing. This could be a big night for Georgia on Saturday, showing some of its critics that it really is better than it has been thus far through five games. Great time to be at home and a great home field advantage, hopefully propelling Georgia to do all of that. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Meriwether and Tharp. And as we said, we are in Brocktober, uh, getting ready for uh, another big showcase game for Brock Bowers on Saturday. In addition to all this other stuff we were just talking about, we're going to talk more about Terrence Edwards about that here coming up in a moment. We'll also remind you that we're brought to you today by our friends at Meriwether and Tharp, your source 
for Georgia Divorce. And they make the show available for us on so many platforms, the video stuff, radio on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, obviously podcast, all those platforms, a podcast update here in a moment, by the way. Good news on that front. Uh, all of that made possible by our friends at Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia Divorce, because here's the thing. Meriwether and Tharp may live in a world that's not super fun for the people who are forced to encounter it, but outside the boundaries of that, they love having fun. They love being a part of a Georgia football conversation. I'm actually having lunch today with our buddy Bob Tharp uh, from Meriwether and Tharp. Good guy to hang out with and have a good time with, and I'm grateful for the service that he provides to so many of the folks in our audience who find themselves in a place of need, because if divorce is an unavoidable reality for you, then you better believe someone to walk with you through that, to explain the law to you as you go through all of that. You better believe that is invaluable service to those who need that, and that's what Meriwether and Tharp is all about. And it starts for you before you even choose to hire Meriwether and Tharp to handle your divorce proceeding. I'm talking about free resources like blog posts, podcasts, things like that that you can use to educate yourself. Then when you have that free initial consultation with one of those Meriwether and Tharp attorneys, I believe the research that you've done through our friends at Meriwether and Tharp kind of set you up to probably ask better questions, more informed conversation in that initial consultation. Then after that, you can make the decision to hire Meriwether and Tharp and kind of walk with you, be an advocate as you go through what admittedly is probably certainly an emotionally challenging time, but also one that can produce a positive outcome for you, uh, setting you up for a really enjoyable next season, season of your life, which is obviously the goal that we all have in any phase, no matter what we're going through. And that's what Meriwether and Tharp is all about there as well. So please find them online, theatlantadivorceteam.com, theatlantadivorceteam.com. Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. Very quickly here, I come bearing good news because yesterday I sort of addressed a brief podcast issue we seem to be having with a portion of our Apple podcast subscribers. I don't know why it's always Apple, but uh, it has been recently and it was, I guess, yesterday. Not every Apple podcast subscriber, most of you, I think the majority of you probably weren't even aware of it, but there were a portion of the audience who was kind of impacted by this. The best that I can tell is that's not a concern anymore. Feedback would let me lead me to believe that's not the case. So maybe I even kind of jumped the gun on this a little bit yesterday. Perhaps I kind of overreacted to uh, what seemed like it was only a brief issue, but it seemed like for some of our podcast subscribers, they perhaps did not have a f- small handful of episodes delivered to their subscription feed. Seems like that's over with now. So I always appreciate if you ever have any issue with the show on any platform whatsoever, you are not a bother to me. You are the source of my livelihood. Uh, so if you want to let me know, whatever, 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 uh, probably the best way to do that is on Twitter at dog nation daily. Uh, I usually get most of the stuff there as long as it's not, you know, kind of a crazy game weekend or something like that. But, um, but hit me up, let me know, and we'll try to do whatever we can to fix it for you. I'm always very grateful for your feedback on all of that. Thank you very much indeed. All right. It's Terrence Edwards here coming up in just a moment. Also yesterday, we had a little bit of an issue with the uh, Jake Fromm pre-recorded interview. We always pre-record the interview with Jake just because Jake's with the Washington Commanders and he's busy, he's doing all that kind of stuff. So we usually pre-record with Jake. Yesterday I had a little bit of an issue with that, but I understand that we've got that cleared up and taken care of. So before our show is done today, we'll get a chance to hear from the former Georgia quarterback, Jake Fromm. A lot of thoughts on Carson Beck, how he's performing. More on Brock Bowers as we roll through Brocktober here. Uh, a lot of really good stuff going on with all of that. That's with Jake Fromm later on before we are done. For now, though, it's Around the Doghouse, and it's presented today by our friends at Serve Pro. And yesterday we talked to Mike Griffith about the wonderful event that's going to go down the Chick-fil-A Dog Bowl with uh, Mark Richt on Wednesday, October the 18th. Coach Smart making some space for Coach Richt 
to announce that at Smart's weekly press conference on Monday. Yeah, there you go. Taking a bite out of Parkinson's and Crohn's disease. Obviously, Coach Rick suffering through Parkinson's disease right now, but doing it in a very inspiring way. One of Rick's grandchildren also battling Crohn's disease. Uh, and obviously, they're working very hard to find as much research and cure, eventual cure for those diseases as possible. Just another example of Rick using his life to make the lives of others better. We're inspired by that. We're proud to be a part of it. And that was a really cool announcement uh, involving Coach Rick on Monday. There was also some fun to be had there, too. So one of the things that's going to be going down for the Dog Bowl is the various bowlers are going to compete, Georgia football players here. And the best bowlers, the winners, get these, like, really cool like championship belt type things and the joke was is that back in rick's day as the georgia head coach that would have perhaps been an ncaa violation of course rick had his issues with the ncaa over the years you know unfair suspensions we believe for aj green todd Gurley, and that led rick to have pretty funny moment rick for as you know a uh, kind of man as he is and you know obviously as you know generous with his time and you know just a, a man of deep faith and a guy that we're I think really inspired by in terms of all that kind of stuff he's also got a really good sense of humor as well and so he had some jokes at the NCAA's expense the other day many of you've heard this we haven't had a chance to play it though I wanted to just kind of share you some funny jokes that Rick had about the idea of the NCAA not liking the championship belts that Rick and his uh, folks are going to be giving out here at the Chick-fil-a dog bowl coming up this is funny from a coach Rick take a listen to this Back in my day, they'd have got thrown in NCAA jail. <laughs> Very true. Uh, believe me, they'd have a two-game suspension for uh, being honest and fessing up to it. So, anyway. Very true. Right. If I had to go back and do that again, it'd be lying tonight. <laughs> Prove it. Prove it two years after your eligibility's up. I often think about things that happened around Georgia football before we were doing Dog Nation Daily, and I don't know that there would have been any hotter topic than the Todd Gurley suspension in 2014. The the A.J. Green thing for the jersey, too, but that's a good long time ago. Uh, The Gurley suspension happened the year before Dog Nation Daily started, and I got to tell you, I was beside myself in anger about that that Gurley, for the few autographs that other people allegedly were doing around the same time, and now you know, Johnny Manziel documentary, things like that. We have confirmation of how real all that was. And somehow Gurley is getting the book thrown at him, perhaps by a little bit too much cooperation from the Georgia administration, whatever. Uh, a lot of time has passed since then, but who knows? Seemed like that could have been the case. But the point is, you got Gurley being suspended for four games in the midst of what was an incredibly entertaining season from him. Uh, while other people were kind of doing some of the same stuff, at least allegedly, that it appeared that Todd Gurley had done. And as Rick said, using a great Southern phrase, Gurley happened to fess up about it, and all of a sudden uh, he's the one getting the book thrown at him. You better believe we would have been beside ourselves in anger. I don't think there's anything – let me think about this out loud for a moment. I don't think there's anything that's happened for Georgia since then that would have had me as angry – as the girly thing probably had me in 2014. For many of you, you probably feel the same way about that. So nice to see Rick joking, but he's got a great personality. He's obviously helping raise money for a couple of great causes here, and we are thrilled to be a part of it. So uh, keep close to Dog Nation. We're going to be telling you more about this as we get closer to that Wednesday night, October 18th. You can be a sponsor. You can be a part of this and uh, really help raise money for a great, great man who's doing some things for some great causes, and a whole bunch of current and former Georgia players are going to be there as well. Chick-fil-A Dog Bowl is the event, so we'll tell you more about that as we get closer. And that is Around the Doghouse, presented today by our friends at Serve Pro. Now, here's what's not awesome. Fire damage, 
water intrusion, the types of things that can really leave your home that you live in in a wreck or perhaps your commercial property that you maybe house your business in or maybe you've got some passive income coming via rental property. Major damage threatens everything, and it's certainly a threat to your peace of mind. So when something like that happens to you, I know what you want. You do the same thing that we all want in situations like this. You want it all put back together like it never even happened, and that's what ServPro is famous for. Their restoration specialists do just that. So I want you to find them online. It's ServPro.com, S-E-R-V, ServPro.com. Each of these franchises is independently owned and operated. What that means is if you've got the kind of damage I described earlier, you know how important that is to you. And what you don't want to be is just another name or another number or another client to some you know gigantic uh, monstrosity that doesn't even know you exist. That's not the case with Serpro. They're individually owned uh, franchises. You know They're there to provide you the kind of service you want because they've got just as much of a vested inco- interest in the outcome as you do. So please find them online. It's servpro.com. That is servpro.com for more on that. Great to have Servpro as a part of Around the Doghouse here today. All right, before we're done, as we said, we're going to get a chance to hear from Jake Fromm in today's show. Looking forward to doing that. But for now, uh, moving into Brocktober, a guy setting his sight on some big records for UGA. A lot of those records held by our guy, Terrence Edwards. Let's find out what he thinks about all of that here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We'll say hello to Terrence Edwards here. Of course, a record-setting pass catcher during his time at the University of Georgia. And Terrence, I saw this on uh, Twitter the other day, and uh, to me it sets up a fun conversation with you and what we're kind of calling Brocktober here as Brock Bowers really takes the next step towards becoming, I think, a legendary figure in Georgia football history. And, you know, already there probably, but cementing and leaving no doubt about that here over the course of the next month and then beyond of this 2023 season. Cole Kubelik, uh, broadcaster, analyst for the SEC Network, putting it out late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, that right now you're the only player – I think we have this we can show. Can we show the uh, the, the tweet here? Uh, right now you're the only player in Georgia football history that's got more touchdown receptions than Brock Bowers does. So you've got a very interesting perspective on how to discuss – the Bowers career that we've seen here thus far. What do you make of what we have seen, and what do you think is coming next? Oh, we've seen this since the day we saw that legendary video of him running the hills during the COVID time. So this this young man is is a, a special player. And, you know, I tweeted as well that, you know, um, he, he is ungodly good. So for someone to, uh, to eclipse my records um, – it, they they, they got to be a special player, and Brock is, and let alone being a tight end, not a wide receiver that's doing it. So um, I give it up to the young man. The young man is, is to me is is special. I mean, this this is this is something that we probably won't see for a, a long time. We have some tight ends that are coming that I think are pretty good. We have some there now, but Brock Bowers is uh, I think kind of a one of a lifetime type of talent. Yeah, a couple thoughts from me on this. First of all, you mentioned, hey, we kind of recognize this about him right away, and I think that's true for George, the program, too, because Terrence, if you'll remember, first game Bowers ever played in, Clemson in 2021, 
I mean, he was targeted continually that game. Got far more targets than anybody else for Georgia that particular day, even though he's playing against like a top five team, uh, excellent defense. And yet Bowers was a major component of that game plan in his first college game. So you had the idea that Georgia wasn't necessarily caught off guard by his you know, greatness either. I don't think the greatness is too strong of a word to use. Georgia wasn't caught off guard by that either. It seemed like they recognized that about him, at least the potential for that, even before he played his very first game. You know, that's the you know the data that they compiled while he's in practice. So, you know, we saw this. I heard, you know, buzz about it, that this, this tight end for California is, is special. And he's going out every Saturday, you know, proving to the fans they only get to see him Saturdays. Uh, where the coaches and the players get opportunity to face him every day at practice. So I saw a uh, you know the podcast with the players and uh, Mikael Starks was talking about you know being the guy that has to cover him every day. And those are two elite talents going against each other every day in practice. So the players, the coaches, everyone have seen this from day one. Um, the fans and and the nation saw it just that that a glimpse of it that Clemson game, but we saw throughout his freshman year that this guy was pretty good. And as a sophomore, like, man, this guy's special. And he's continued to prove us, prove us, well, not prove us wrong, but just show the dominance that he has. And I just got one thing against Auburn. I just don't understand is Brock Bars would not beat me if I'm a defense coordinator. I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to put several people on him and we're going to make, someone else beat us like you're not gonna catch that many passes in the fourth quarter someone else will and they'll allow you no know, Brock to continue to be open Carson uh made the plays and, and coach Bobo continue putting him in position to make plays so you got to give kudos to everyone but I just don't understand the game plan of not putting 12 people on Brock like we plan in CFL no, I think that's a really good point. <laughs> I think that's a, a very fair point for sure. And as you mentioned earlier, you know, you've been very gracious about anybody potentially matching some of your statistical feats at Georgia. We talk about the touchdown number here or the idea that you're the only thousand yard receiver in program history and things like that. You've always been really gracious about stuff like that. Terrence, obviously, I have no idea what any of that kind of feels like, but I kind of think about, well, if I was in that position, I have to admit there probably would be a part of me that didn't want my records to be broken because as long as I got that record everybody's kind of you know you flip to the media guy and you're like wow and I think you've even said this about your own sons they're like hey you know dad you you're actually you know really good and it's like yes yeah, son I was so why don't you listen to what I'm talking about sometimes or you know something along those lines but also as a guy like this does the feats that he's doing it also kind of reminds folks of you know guess what you know a lot of these numbers were also put together over the course of a career by Terrence Edwards there as well so I think it's an interesting position to be in when you see someone kind of coming up behind you who is doing some of the same things you did because eventually he may have some of these records but as he gets to them it is pointing out the fact that gosh you know Terrence you had a very prolific career while at UGA how do you truly feel about all of that? I've always said that, you know, records are meant to be broken, but not mine. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I would like to continue to stay uh, at the top forever. I, I know that's unrealistic, but I'm pretty sure if, someone, if people who own records, if they're truly honest, they don't want their records to be broke. I don't care how gracious someone could be, and I'm gracious and understand that Brock is it's the man. But, yes, would I 
prefer my records to stay intact? Yes, I would love for my records to stay intact. But I'm very humbled that for 22 years that I stayed at the top, and we have many, you know, great players and players before me, players after me, and I'm still there after 22 years. So, you know, when when Brock breaks my records, it's going to be, you know, a joyous occasion. I'm going to be happy for him. There's no kind of animosity, saltiness, anything, because I know the type of talent that he possesses. But for sure, if, if anybody not if, if anybody saying publicly, and I, it's tongue in cheek, but I really do want my records to stay. But I'm happy for anybody who breaks them. No, that's great stuff. Let's move on to a Georgia Kentucky here for a moment. And Terrence, one of the things we said before you joined us is. I think even like hardcore Georgia fans, such as myself, I think when you look at, you know, the Georgia game against Kentucky on Saturday, this is a Georgia team that enters with what I feel like are some legitimate concerns. And while on our show, we love going sort of back and forth and taking shots at people who take shots at UGA, that's just something we'd like to do for fun. There is some criticism of Georgia out there right now that does probably feel like it deserves a response from Georgia on the field, specifically. If this team wants to win a national championship, they need to play better on defense. They probably need to have a few more explosive plays on offense. As we talked about a little earlier, they need to find that additional component of the running game, which they probably haven't had as fully formed through five games as they have in recent seasons. Like, How legitimate do you feel like it is to have some skepticism about Georgia, and how much of that do you think Georgia can provide an answer to in this game against the Wildcats on Saturday night? You know, I, I think, you know, that comes with the respect that Kirby and company have gained throughout the last few years. And, um, I, you know, me personally, I look at the football games, I look at it at, in a different eye because these, these, this is not the same team from last year. This is not the team from two years ago. I mean, if you just look at Philadelphia Eagles, they got a lot of all defensive players that were superstars on that team. And, and let's just call it, there's no Jalen Carter's on the team right now. We have good players, but there's no Jalen Carter. There's 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 no uh, Nolan Smith on the team. We have good players, so yes, our our run defense is probably gonna take a little of a hit. Our overall defense is gonna take a little of a hit. We're gonna come back down to earth when we was in in heaven the last few years. So, but I expect these guys to continue to play up to the Georgia standards, play up to the standards that they can play to, not the standard that Jalen Carter played to, because that's. Jalen Carter is a different animal. Nolan Smith was a different animal. So the coaches just got to continue to coach. Players just got to continue to get better. Um, I love what we've seen where we've handled adversity um, because now once we get into the meet and now we're in the meat of the schedule, how are we going to react when things are not going our way? And we've seen to handle things very well. I haven't seen any panic in this team. I've just seen confidence in this team. So, Yes, I would love to go out and just dominate people, but those players that we have loved for the last two or three years, they're not there right now. So these are new players that have to set their own standards and expectations, not the expectations from the from the past teams. Let me finish with this. You know, I won't pretend to have the answers for why Georgia has had more defensive struggles this year or defensive setbacks than we're used to Georgia having. We just know that they're that they've taken place. They've given up more than two hundred yards on the ground. In the game against Auburn as a, as a for instance when you look at what's going on with Georgia defensively and when you offer the explanation now it may be as simple as what you said a moment ago the Georgia defensive guys that were dominating 
the last two years play with the Philadelphia Eagles now. I mean, maybe that's just as simple as that. It's like they're trying to win a Super Bowl now for the Philadelphia Eagles, and that's some of what's going on here. Perhaps it is just that simple. But maybe beyond that, why do you see Georgia having defensive issues that we're not used to seeing Georgia have? Uh, I mean, I just take the, the Auburn game in, in a sense. I think people will force it in why – Auburn was able to move the football, running the football. And if you just go back and look at the game, they didn't run the, they didn't have success running their tailback. They had success running the quarterback. And I want people to understand this. When you're running a traditional offense through the tailback running scheme, that means there's 11 on 10. You cannot count the quarterback. When you're running the quarterback, now it's 11 on 11. Every hat can be blocked. So I just think Kentucky has a great running game. They, they dominated Florida last week. Um, so now it's going back to a traditional running game where now we can have success and not be, and I think Kirby said, like we, they did a great job scheming some things up, and we didn't do so great of a job in our adjustment to it. So going to a traditional running game, I, I just don't see them being able to have the success that they had against Florida would they make some runs? Yes. I just don't see them having the same success in the running game that they had against Florida with the biggest, closest runs and having plus 200-plus rushing yards in, in the game. Terrence, always a strong analysis. We certainly appreciate that. And for people who want more of what you're saying online about these games all weekend long and obviously the special wide receiver training, pass catcher training you're providing to the next generation, in many cases of uh, college stars, how can they find the Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy online? You can find all my social media accounts at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. Terrence, great to talk to you. We really appreciate that. We'll look forward to doing it again soon. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, I think really good stuff from uh, Terrence Edwards there. Really strong analysis. And also, you know, it's kind of funny to think about, you know, how I would feel if I was a great athlete, record-setting athlete. You know, Georgia football has been taking place since 1892, so – when you got spots on the record books there, uh, that's one of those things that you probably do you know, cherish. But also when you see a truly great player coming along, I'm sure there's a sense of pride in knowing, too. It's, hey, hey I'm being mentioned in the same sentence as a guy who's obviously you know, a great – to me, and the comparison I've used before is, so in golf, and I like the PGA Tour, I've always enjoyed golf. You know, when Tiger Woods came along – it seemed like for a while that Woods was just going to obliterate every record that ever existed in the PGA Tour. But as Woods' career went on, all of a sudden a guy like Jack Nicklaus, who had the major championship record, all of a sudden you're forced to reconsider how great of a player Nicklaus was because you saw the emergence of Tiger Woods. You saw the juggernaut that he at one point in time was. When you realize that the Nicklaus numbers still kind of stand the test of time, even with a guy like Tiger on the scene, I think it gave you a fresh new appreciation uh, for what Nicholas was. And hopefully in the case of guys like Terrence Edwards and other guys who've come before him here at UGA, when these sort of new age players are making pushes towards some of the history that stood at Georgia for a long time, it does give us, a, I guess, a fresh appreciation for Georgia football history because living through a great present gives us a chance to, I think, also go back and appreciate the fun moments for the Georgia Bulldogs that have happened before. Now, speaking of having fun, we're going to be having fun April of 2024 on board Allure of the Seas for our third ever Dog Nation cruise, but that's not the only really fun stuff going on with Royal Caribbean here in 2024, and Jessica Slater is a great travel agent. She can tell you all about it. You can give her a call, 770-718-9147, 770-718-9147, 
770-718-9147. You can also email jslater at dreamvacations.com. That's jslater at dreamvacations.com. You get the brand new Icon of the Seas debuting in January. You've got the brand new Utopia of the Seas, the newest Oasis class ship debuting in July. You want to be a part of some wonderful cruise vacation experiences. Also, the brand new Hideaway Beach, kind of a cool new area coming to Perfect Day Coco Cay. So many other fun and surprises in store coming up in the uh, months and years to come there with Royal, Royal Caribbean. Jessica's at the forefront of all this, and she can tell you all about it. So hit her up. Once again, call her 770-718-9147 or email jslater at dreamvacations.com. And if you want information about the Dog Nation cruise, royaldogs.com. That is the website for that. We're going to hear from Jake Fromm here coming up in a moment. We'll do a Kroger Fresh Take with him. But prior to that, let's go and cruise around the SEC. And I want to start with a simple question. So obviously, we are in what we call Brocktober. We do legitimately, genuinely believe that Brock Bowers can not only be a Heisman finalist this year, we think he could win the award and become the first tight end to do so since 1949. So I guess with that in mind, it seems fair to ask, okay, what does the landscape for the Heisman Trophy look like right now? Who would you say, after five weeks, sort of feels like the Heisman frontrunner? And to kind of push Bowers aside here for a moment and look at the other Heisman contenders, this is kind of the feeling I have about the Heisman right now. I start to wonder about a guy like Caleb Williams because the belief that we have last year, honestly, I thought that Bryce Young may still have been the best player in college football, but we also knew that once you've won the Heisman Trophy, you're not winning it again. They're just not giving the same guy two years in a row. That's been true since the 1970s. Archie Griffin, the only player to ever win two Heismans for the most part, the voters, if you return as a Heisman Trophy winner, they're looking to give it to someone else. And I think the assumption largely stands true for Caleb Williams as well. But Here's the thing we have to, I guess, understand about Williams that makes him different than some of the previous Heisman Trophy winners who've returned to college the next year. We live in an NIL age now, and there's a level of attention that Caleb is getting from an NIL standpoint that previous Heisman Trophy winners didn't always get. They were all, in their own way, famous, and in some of them, they would have been quite famous. Obviously, Tim Tebow, maybe one of the best examples of that. Johnny Manziel, perhaps. Although Manziel, I guess, won in 23rd. Yeah, no, no, Manziel won in 2012. Um, there are moments in which Heisman Trophy winners that return are incredibly famous. But there's a little bit different kind of thing that Caleb Williams has right now. He's got the Dr. Pepper Fansville commercials. He's also doing a national campaign, I believe, for Wendy's. These commercials are on TV a lot. That Williams may perhaps be a little bit more famous, in other words, than the typical Heisman winner returning to college is. And that perhaps that gives Williams the inside track on being the first Heisman Trophy winner since Griffith to win in back-to-back years. But there's also the issue with the USC defense, and it's terrible. And that defense is likely to cost USC some games here this year. So perhaps that becomes the impediment. Even with Williams with all his fame, if this is not a playoff level or a playoff contending USC team, that might prevent Williams from being a real contender. The other name out west that I think is interesting right now is Michael Penix at Washington. Washington thus far played a pretty soft schedule, but they're dominant, and Penix has been a big reason why. I think he could be a legitimate part of this Heisman discussion, probably more so than anybody else in the Pac-12, Bo Nix included. Uh, I think that Penix is probably the guy if you want to add somebody out west to this discussion. I also think tomorrow could be a big day, or I should say Saturday could be a big day for Quinn Ewers. Ewers was the guy we were talking about the Heisman Trophy in connection with before the season even began. He had the big day against Alabama, that's step one. Now the eyes of the college football world largely on him Saturday for the rivalry showdown game against Oklahoma. If he has another big game, 
then he probably becomes, I believe, the chief competition to Brock Bowers here this year. So watch that. Keep your eyes on that. Texas has been very good this year, and yours has been very good as well. And perhaps after Saturday, he kind of has the feel of being the front runner. We'll see on that. Speaking of Alabama, Texas obviously beat them earlier this year. Interesting chatter right now coming out of or ahead of the game for Alabama at Texas A&M on Saturday. I saw like Chris Felica, others have said this, that this feels like right now the biggest game in the Nick Saban era because of what it would mean if Alabama were to lose it. And that's one of those things that seems perhaps too hyperbolic to be true, but in a roundabout way, I think there is some legitimacy to this. This would be the kind of loss that signaled the end of an era. And I think it's easy to forget because you sort of look at the long track record, the string of success that that Alabama has enjoyed. It's easy to think that's been a consistent thing from year to year to year. But there have been moments in time in which Alabama was kind of hanging on by a string, it would have seemed. People wondered after Saban's first national championship 2009 when the kick six got him in 2010. They sort of wondered, well, is Alabama going to kind of fall by the wayside? Then in 2011, they lost to LSU, but eventually bounced back to beat LSU in the national championship there that year. You Once again, you saw Saban able to restore a level of greatness that some folks might be wondering if it was slipping away. Think about post uh, – actually, 2010 was not the kick six. 2010 was the Cam Newton year. 2013 is the kick six. In 2014, there was a lot of chatter about other teams – around the SEC. This is when Kevin Sumlin was building up a big offense at A&M. Gus Malzahn was getting started there uh, at Auburn. Hugh Freeze was at Ole Miss. It felt like there was a style of play that was different than when Alabama was playing, and all that proliferation of the spread offense felt like a threat to Nick Saban. Then Saban hires Lane Kiffin. He kind of restores the greatness that he's had. So there have been moments in the Saban era in which greatness has been questioned. I don't want to say demise was assumed, but it was at least suggested as a possibility. And Saban had an answer for that at each and every point. Things are a little bit different now. This is not quite the same Alabama team, not quite the same level of quarterback play, not quite what Alabama has used to to great success the last few years. I do think that the Bama dynasty, to put the phrase you know together that way, I do think it's kind of hanging together by a string a little bit right now. And I do think they are in a vulnerable position playing against Texas A&M on Saturday. And you could also, on the flip side of this, say, hey, Jimbo Fisher, big bucks. Texas A&M sees Texas coming into the league. This may be the biggest game that Jimbo Fisher has coached so far at Texas A&M probably is. But the meaning and the significance of that on the Alabama side is so much greater just because of how long track record of success that Nick Saban has had. The point is, there's a lot of drama for Alabama and Texas A&M on Saturday. I am very excited about that football game. I'll also tell you this real quickly. Uh, Hugh Freeze has backtracked on what he said at one of those touchdown club meetings on Monday that he was sad to see the Georgia-Auburn rivalry come to an end. Some folks were wondering, oh, does that mean Freeze knows that the SEC is going to stay with an A-game conference schedule and Georgia and Auburn won't be playing each other every year? Freeze has since said that he was just shooting off his mouth. He has no idea what the future of the rivalry stuff is going to look like. I believe that's probably true. Uh, I believe, as we said earlier this week, what Freeze actually said was a little bit more of a subliminal level of wishful thinking. This idea that all of a sudden now teams that at one point in time thought of themselves as rivals to Georgia, the idea of not being a rival to Georgia, not having to play UGA every single year starts to seem a little bit more appealing. Uh, Hugh Freeze may be the latest example of that. But either way, he says, no, nah, I was I was not saying anything real when I said what I said this week. Just shooting off his mouth, apparently not the first time Hugh Freeze has done that. 
We will make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And before we get a chance to hear from Jake Fromm, let me also give a shout out to my friends at Dr. Pepper, because Dr. Pepper is a great choice on game. They mentioned all the big games coming up here this weekend. Well, listen, Dr. Pepper, a great accompaniment for you as you enjoy all of that, whether it be the regular Dr. Pepper or the Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar, Dr. Pepper Strawberries and Cream, that's the brand new flavor. Nothing goes better on game day than our friends at Dr. Pepper. The rich, one-of-a-kind flavor of Dr. Pepper, it truly is the one the fans deserve. So as you're shopping this weekend at your local Kroger, pick up some Dr. Pepper for all of your game day needs. And speaking of Kroger, how about now a Kroger Fresh Take with Jake Fromm here on Dog Nation Daily. Jake, great to have you. And obviously, a lot of talk about that Georgia win against Auburn this past Saturday. And you kind of know what this is like in the SEC. You know how tough of a place Jordan-Hare Stadium can be. And sometimes it's just kind of enough to emerge as a winner there. I guess what were your initial thoughts on on Georgia going on the road, getting a win against Auburn, and surviving another week here as an undefeated team as the number one ranked, ranked team in the country? Yeah, absolutely, Brandon. Thank you for having me. Um, man, for the dogs, it's just survive and get through. Um, I, I think there's a lot of plays they left on the field and a lot of opportunities they had early in the game to gain a whole lot of momentum. Uh, they didn't quite hit those, but they were able to fight, scrap, and claw their way through that game, a uh, very physical game. Uh, and let's give Auburn some credit, man. They had a great game plan, and they executed it very well, uh, and it came down to the wire. And I think we learned a lot about our – our football team, that yeah. they were able to uh, overcome a lot of adversity throughout the game. We talked about this last week, and it's worth talking about again. You talk about what you learn about Georgia. Obviously, reminded once again just how special a player Brock Bowers is, and there aren't many ex- examples in the Kirby Smart era of a player kind of taking over a game late the way that Bowers did with this one on Saturday, the one-handed catches, the touchdowns. Uh, Jake, you're a high-level athlete. You have tremendous perspective on a guy like Brock Bowers does. You shared your thoughts on him a week ago, and yet he goes out and does something even more amazing seemingly in this game against Auburn. I mean, I think right now there is a strong case to be made. This is just the best player in college football. Yeah, I mean, Brock is uh, Brock's obviously a tight end, but Brock, more importantly, is just a, a phenomenal football player. He understands the game well, understands spacing, um, just, just understands how to get open to – um, and then he plays with such a, a physicality um, that he just he will not go down after that, that first initial contact from a defender. I mean, what he's able to do at the tight end position of, of just about taking over a, a football game, he basically took over the second half um, and put the team on his back and, and ended up you know having a, a over 100 yards in the second half and, and multiple touchdowns. So, uh, man, he's an incredible player, um, and he is uh, – He's going to be fun to watch throughout the rest of the year. A lot has been made of Carson Beck also making his first start on the road. In fact, you and I talked about this months ago, about the fact that this would be a game circled and this would be kind of a proving ground for Carson. And the best that I can tell, the reviews that he's getting from his performance are really pretty positive. Obviously, had a chance to connect on uh, the deep-throated uh, Oscar Delp didn't quite do that. Yep. Interception comes the very next play. But it seems like those miscues were shaken off pretty well. And Carson really had a strong second half, very good on third down. And it, it seems like the overall you know, reviews of the back performance were pretty positive. What did you get a chance to see from Carson? Yeah, I, I liked, from from my perspective, what I like to see is that he just he kept ripping the ball. He, he kept throwing it. Um, he, he didn't basically quit and, and, and get to, hey, I'm going to start trying to place the ball. 
um, into their hands, and, and he, he was just saying, hey, man, this is where we're at. I'm going to start ripping it. I'm going to find my guys. I'm going to find Ladd on third down. I'm going to find Brock always. Um, and the guys went out and made plays, and he was able to bounce back after a, a couple, you know, missed throws early um, and, you know, not not a fun turnover and was able to bounce back and lead his team to a win there in the second half. So um, that's really big and really strong to see and, and going to be good for his growth and development going forward throughout the rest of the year. One of the things that also comes out of the game, and obviously Georgia fans are glad their team won and, you know, glad to, as we said before, kind of living on to fight another day here. And sometimes in college football, it is just that simple. But I think it's also a little bit surprising that this Georgia defense right now is not the dominant unit that we're used to it being, particularly when it comes to stopping the run, quarterback run in particular on Saturday. This is all just really new for Georgia fans, kind of getting used to a uh, a defense that a couple times this year hasn't just completely throttled the opponent that it's playing. What do you make of what's going on with the Georgia defense, and why do you think it is that Georgia had so much trouble on Saturday with that one particular play, the quarterback run? Yeah, I, I think it was, um, first off, great scheme, great game plan um, from Auburn uh, and from Hugh Freeze. Um, maybe not something they were expecting when uh, Peyton Thorne w- was in at quarterback, um, but uh, I look for the defense to, to really respond next week when Kentucky comes to town. Um, and they're running back Davis, who had over 250 yards and multiple touchdowns. So I, I think they're going to respond in a uh, – in a really strong way and uh i think they'll be able to get that fixed this week and how much you know we hear kirby talking all the time about complimentary football you know one side of the ball helping the other and sometimes at georgia that's meant hey the defense has to go out there and play a great game to help the offense kind of figure out what's going on and you know sometimes it's the defense helping the offense maybe other times it's the offense that needs to help the defense is this one of those times right now where there's a little extra responsibility maybe on the georgia offense because this is a defense that's getting used to some perhaps new personnel in new places or just you know guys in bigger roles this year than they've been in the past or you know whatever the I guess prescription for why this has been is this a situation now where the Georgia offense has a greater responsibility to step up and help out a Georgia defense that's trying to figure some things out here at the moment yeah I I mean I think the offense is going to take all the responsibility because that's just they they want to go out and play great um, and they they want to execute I think they they really want to start uh, fast on offense be able to score on their first couple drives and get out to an early and fast lead. Um, so it makes the uh, opposing offense in a in a one-dimensional, uh, so to speak, in a, in a passing situation. So um, that would that would definitely uh, help the defense and um, what they're doing. But um, I, I think anytime you can get uh, your team from a head coach's perspective playing complimentary football, taking the ball away, uh, scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, man, that's just good football, and uh, I, I think uh, I think they'll get there. Um, but uh, they're going to get challenged uh, this weekend coming up. One of the things you and I talked about a little bit last week was what looks like a more wide open kind of national landscape around Georgia than we're used to seeing. SEC West doesn't have a team ranked in the top 10 right now. This is the first time that's been true since the early 2000s. It seems like every Power 5 conference has a legitimate playoff contender, at least one right now. That's a little bit more balanced than we're used to seeing, too. And maybe some of this is aided by the fact, from a national standpoint, that Georgia perhaps isn't as dominant as we're used to it being. So on the Georgia part of this, do you think that by the end of the season, Georgia can be back to being the kind of 
you know, dominant juggernaut that it was the last two years? Or is that more of like just an unrealistic expectation and that Georgia's going to have to try to figure out a way to be as good as it needs to be without the guarantee that it's going to go out and just win every game 50 to nothing the way that oftentimes it seemed like it did a year ago? How much better, in other words, do you think Georgia can get before the end of the season? Yeah, I definitely think it can get better. Um, they can uh, get a little bit cleaner on offense, obviously maybe a little bit more physical up front uh, from the defense. Um, but, you know, that's a, that's a really tough question. I, I mean, yes, they can get better. Um, but, uh, man, the, the dominance they had over the past couple of years uh, really has just been uh, just honestly out, out of this world and something you just do not see. Uh, every day or once, you know, every couple of years by, by team and by program. So um, I think it would be very tough for, for them to, to get back to. Um, but I, I know that's the expectation and the standard uh, that Coach Smart um, is approaching uh, every single day with. Um, but for the rest of the landscape of college football, I, I agree with you. I think, it's, I think it's wide open. And there's a lot of teams that are going to have opportunities late in the year to sneak into this college football playoff. And from there, uh, it's anybody's um, – anybody's chance you mentioned the game against kentucky i want to finish by asking you about that in a moment prior to that let me remind folks this is our kroger fresh take with the former georgia quarterback jake Fromm here on dog nation daily and don't forget there's a wonderful event coming up at the kroger in athens it's the location right there on a u.s highway 29 north in athens coming up on october 4th at 6 30 p.m it's with the georgia safety malachi starks and arguably nobody for georgia on the defensive side of the ball is having a better year thus far than malachi starks is and he's gonna be making an appearance on October 4th at 6.30 p.m. starting there at the uh, Kroger location. It's 700 U.S. Uh, Highway 29 North in Athens, Georgia. Great chance to meet a great dog who's just a really fun-loving guy, fun to be around, and a terrific football player there as well. It's part of what Kroger loves to do, having good times with their uh, shoppers and the folks that are uh, stopping by and getting their groceries there from Kroger, including a great opportunity to meet Malachi Starks on October 4th at the Kroger Marketplace in Athens, 700 U.S. Highway 29 North. That all goes down 6.30 p.m. on October 4th. Make sure you check that out with Malachi Starks today. Uh, so, uh, uh, Jake, to kind of finish things up here, you mentioned before the big game coming up against Kentucky. The sense that we get is that Mark Stoops is a coach that Kirby Smart's got a lot of respect for. Obviously, it's a team that in some respects seems to go about its business in a way that's somewhat similar to UGA, and it's undeniably the biggest game that Georgia has played up to this point. You know, What are your other thoughts about what's going to happen this Saturday night as Kentucky comes calling? Yeah, I think it's uh, protect the football, and it's going to be uh, whoever – has uh, the most success running the football. Um, I think it's going to be a, a gritty football game, but I think it's a game that uh, Georgia finally starts fast offensively. Um, they have all day to figure out their first 15 plays. They finally play a night game at Sanford Stadium. I know the fans are excited about that one. So uh, I'm, ex- uh, I'm excited to see uh, this game and, and in a very uh, dominant fashion. Yeah, you mentioned the night game part of this. Just to finish up here, you know, you started the Notre Dame game, obviously, the first time those LED lights were, dis- you know, debuted, displayed, yep. and the incredible show that kind of created. From a player standpoint, that was all really new back then when those uh, kind of first uh, debuted. A lot of teams didn't have those. Uh, yeah. What was it like to kind of see that, to run out on the field and have that experience? And, I mean, honestly, I'd never quite been to a football game like that. It's a little bit more common now. Even high school teams have them in some respects now. But those years ago, that was a little bit of a different thing. What was it like to play in a situation like that? Yeah, I mean, it's new, it's flashy, it's exciting. 
um, kind of gets you going a little bit. So uh, I, I enjoy playing night games, especially big, big night games versus a, a good opponent, and uh, you know that it's going to last for four quarters. So um, that's uh, that's always fun. And then uh, anytime you get a little uh, kind of a little extra, little extra bliss, I guess maybe to uh, to throw in there, it's always a little little fun, and exciting for the guys. Well, Jeff, uh, Jake, it's also fun and exciting to have you as a part of this show each and every week there as well as a part of our Kroger Fresh Tag. We really appreciate your time. Enjoy your week. Best of luck to the Washington Commanders, your NFL organization on Thursday night here, and then we'll look forward to talking to you very soon as a part of a Kroger Fresh Tag as well. Awesome, Brandon. Thank you. Not quite sure why I called him Jeff there for a second, but nonetheless, really good stuff from Jake Fromm. And really, really strong statement there at the end about – what the atmosphere is going to be like on Saturday night as Georgia seeks to create the kind of atmosphere, the kind of crowd noise that has propelled Georgia to victory before, and they need it on Saturday. I think Kentucky's a pretty good football team right now, and I think they present some real challenges for UGA. So being ready for that, I think that's a pretty big deal. And Kirby Smart's been more than happy to give Georgia fans credit in the past for the aid they've provided, and that's going to be called upon again on Saturday to create that home field advantage for Georgia. Now, speaking of home field advantages, also you want to do everything you can do in your own home to give you a big advantage there as well. And that's where our friends at Precision Garage Doors comes in right now because they've got a five-star reputation for great service all across the Atlanta area because they're on time, they show up, and they do what they say they're going to do. Phones are answered 24-7 there as well. You're not getting the busy signal or the dial tone or whatever else. You're able to get in touch with a garage door replacement repair specialist and talk to them about whatever you need if that need arises uh, there for you so maybe for you it's just a simple repair sometimes it is or maybe you need the whole thing replaced sometimes that's the deal there as well just know that a precision garage door is dog's nation's dog nation's choice for all of that uh and obviously you know that georgia the team on the field's got all those five-star players when it comes to uh, five-star reviews nobody's racking up more of those on a regular basis than our friends at precision garage door are so please find them online it's precisiondoorgeorgia.com that's precisiondoorgeorgia.com when you're ready to have a garage door fixed or perhaps replaced when you're ready for it to sound good to look good to give you that vibe in your home that you want and be a part of those so many satisfied five-star review customers find them online precisiondoorgeorgia.com for more on that that's precisiondoorgeorgia.com all right to wrap things up today let's give you a golden shoe and as you can imagine uh, uh no golden shoe here today Okay, so uh, don't have that for today, but we'll, we'll, we'll give it to you tomorrow. A lot of uh, Brock Bowers, Brocktober-themed golden shoes. So we'll give you a fun one tomorrow there on that. And a lot more of those there as well. I've actually gotten some really good ones here in the last couple of hours too. So we'll have a big Friday shoes dump tomorrow when it comes to some terrific golden shoes. So that is uh, coming up then. As far as our Gator Hater countdown goes, let's give you that. 23 days from now, speaking of Brocktober, final game of the month of Brocktober for Georgia is in Jacksonville against those lousy, stinking Gators. And we are looking forward to seeing Georgia bring home a good win there in that. We're also looking forward to seeing you tomorrow, another big day to talk Georgia-Kentucky. We'll do that with you then. Get ready for a huge game on Saturday night. We'll see you tomorrow Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp.